0: Hello PodSafe Africa listeners, welcome back to another new episode of the podcast and you know if you haven't already been told this by many many people, let me be the first to welcome you to the new year, happy new year and I hope you are, well I hope you're excited, I hope you're happy to be joining us this new year. I know we are so happy to have you join us in the new year and whether or not you've set those resolutions or if you're like me and decided to go meh on the resolutions this year, I hope that this year is fulfilling and I hope that it's joyous and just brings you so much peace. Um, And that's from us here at Pods of Africa team. So now back to the episode. To pick back up from where we last left off, we are going to be continuing our conversation with Gertrude, that we started in the last episode last year. <laughs> it's fun saying that last year, even though that was just really two weeks ago. And so we spoke to Gertrude of Yamba Malawi, a non-profit um, based out of Malawi. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Malawi is considered the fourth poorest country in the world. And so the work of non-profits such as Yamba is really important for the communities there. In the first part of the conversation that we had in, with Gertrude, we spoke a little bit about the focus of YAMBA, and that is on addressing the vulnerability of children. We spoke about how poverty is described, um, considered in multidimensional poverty. We spoke about how YAMBA supported the communities that they work with, do, have been, and continue to support the communities that they work with during the COVID uh, pandemic. We also spoke about policies within Yamba and outside of the company that helped to promote gender equality and the implementation plan that Yamba has been able to put in place for this policy. So this is just a general gist of the conversation we've had so far, and we're going to pick back up from there on the conversation today. Enjoy, and please let us know your thoughts. Happy New Year once again.
1: Welcome to Pod Save Africa. 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 Welcome to Pod Save, to Pod Save Africa. Save Africa. Welcome to Pod 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 Save Africa. Welcome. Thank you so much, Jetur, your your personal story about how education transformed your outcomes and that of your family. Having the box up with you really is just unbelievably inspiring. Um where we're so happy you shared that we we hope you know Malawi can find a path to towards you know gender in inequ- towards resolving gender inequality because we completely agree with you, right? So just on an indicator basis, we know the answer that always makes societies better. Um at minimum, you're 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 stifling half of your your potential workforce, your potential intelligence, your potential human capacity by it. By limiting women, um, I, I would love to. I say, i kind of on the, on the personal notes. I'd love to hear specifically about how you got involved with Yamba Malawi. What 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 drove you to this point? What are the what, are, what We'd love to hear about the rest of your journey. Um, do you mind sharing that with us?
2: Okay. Um. Um. I would say I'm a development practitioner by profession. What that means is I've throughout my career life I've worked in the development sector. So my journey has evolved. I've worked for different organizations, both local and international, but in the development sector, doing different kinds of things. But what has made me remain in the development sector is the fact that I work, I, I encounter people at a, at a different level. I always ask myself, if I work in a bank, and I'm not meaning people who are working in the bank, but I'm just trying to demonstrate or illustrate what, what my point. If I work in the bank, my world with the people out there would just end up at a good morning. How much money do you want? And I would end up just giving them the money and they would go. But the work that I do, I go into the communities. I cry with the communities. I dance with the communities. I am part of the community. So I enter people's lives and they definitely they enter mine as well. I I I see I see life from different visions, you know, because life has very many visions. Trust me, it has very many visions, the way it is as of now, the way it's layered by the socioeconomic strata. It's 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 got so many visions. So I'm privileged to go and experience that. Uh, the layers of people's lives, uh, and uh, through that, it just makes me. It kind of, um, it kind of confirms my purpose, like as a human being, why I need to be where I am, and also uh, the fact that I am trying to better somebody else's story. Uh, or enable them to better their, their stories. Because half the time, we are creating, we are bridges ourselves. We, we They have their own stories, rich and beautiful stories. All we do is just to make these stories louder, but also more visible. So I love that, uh, you know, being a development practitioner. Coming back to how I joined Yamba Malawi, um, it's the mission and the vision that attracted me. Uh, you know, we want to see a world where There's justice, Uh, you know, there's no poverty, world where there's no poverty, especially for the children. And our mission is to, you know, to end the cycle of poverty uh, for children. Yeah. Because when children, when, trust me, when people experience poverty when they're young, it impacts them differently. It's like, it just feels like somehow you grow up with that invisible handicap yeah? An indescribable handicap. Somebody who can't see it, who you, even yourself, you can't see it, you can't feel it, but it's there, yeah? Because when you're growing up, it's there, and nobody really can see it, nobody can feel it. Even yourself can't feel it sometimes. And sometimes we are worried about how our nations are have people who have very bad decisions, like who are doing things that are like horrific in terms of like leadership just you know in poor countries and and other elsewhere maybe I'm only saying maybe some of these things are manifestation of the experiences childhood experiences that they have of poverty because you can only you can only you know do certain things that are because people always say, "No, that's not a, that's that's just an excuse to say because you grew up in in poverty, and then therefore you have th- those gaps." It's true. It's true. Now coming back to the research issue, research has shown that if a child is not well fed, nutrition wise and otherwise, their you know physical development gets affected. So are they going to make you know that if their physical development is uh, you know affected in terms of like physique? But also their mind. Definitely, they'll have challenges even in class. They'll have challenges even when they make it. There's, there's these gaps that where well, we can spend the whole time, you know, trying to find out what kind of gaps. But truth be told, is there are gaps? Yeah. And uh, when you experience poverty when you're young, it's traumatizing. It's traumatizing. Trust me, it's traumatizing. When I go back home. Or even while well, like I'm driving in the communities, or even here in town where you have the urban poor. When I go there, when I see how people are challenged and are struggling, trust me, I dip in my pocket, like without even thinking about my next meal, I was I was spent because I'm just replaying my own experiences and it it just scares me that this child might not cross the bridge to the other side if we if we don't come in or oh, something doesn't happen to, this, to these children. So the mission for Yamba Malawi is the one that attracted me because for them, they've made it in black and white. We have to make sure the children have access to opportunities that are transformative, but also are enabling, are also dealing with their vulnerabilities, uh, You know these things that kind of affect their growth, survival, but also protection. So for me, I said, yes, we struggle, even these issues we talk about women and, and stuff like the gender gaps, uh, the other developmental issues that have to do with adults. Some of these issues, if we dealt with them um, at the foundational level, would, it would help to deal with so many other problems that come uh, manifested in the adult life. Yeah. For instance, we are, there are women uh, economic empowerment programs that we are running trying to address you know, the income issues do with women. If we invested enough when these were young, like when we were babies, making sure that they grow up accessing opportunities and guiding them and making sure that they have all the opportunities and growing and have education and other things, you wouldn't talk about, maybe there would be few women who would need economic empowerment, but women would be educated who have their own opportunities to make businesses and stuff. So, but now we're addressing you know issues that probably are probably I'm not saying always, please uh, maybe understand me. not always, but uh, they may be coming from uh, a place where the foundational issues were not dealt with. yeah the foundational issues were not dealt with so as such, then you end up with a lot of you know uh, problems. I love Yamba Malawi because you know yamba Malawi is unique. Uh, among many organizations i'm I'm not saying others are not wow like i've worked for great great organizations as well but i'm talking about um, malawi being unique one i've told you about how we are promoting indigenous knowledge we don't just go in the communities and work with the communities we want to make sure that everything that we do is contextualized yeah we understand like one of the things that we, we 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 talked about when we were designing the programs we said. Okay, if we have found these communities are alive here, it means these communities have a way of uh, ensuring survival. So, what is it that made them, you know, bring up these kids who are still alive now? Yeah. So we started exploring what are some of the things that also help to sort of uh, enhance some of the principles that we are trying to promote. An example, just to give you an example. Is putting the child on the back, singing to them, for them to sleep. It's an African thing because I see it in a lot of African countries. You know, with the rapper, they're tied at the back. Uh, and you know, the mother or the father sometimes is singing for them and while they're at the back. It helps the bonding, it helps, you know, uh, you know, cognitive cognitive issues. The child listens and you know, they when they're at the, where when they are at an age where they're even hearing this the word. songs to the the ways to the song they begin to sort of stimulate imagination you know folk tales they stimulate imagination about the hair about the uh the elephant you know the clever hair and, and stuff it's stimulating their imagination but also it's inculcating good manners good behavior how the kaluru was very polite went and you know shook hands and carried the burden for the old lady because the old lady was too old to carry their burden. No, it's, it's always these small, small things that we learned from those folktales. So, um, secondly, Yamba Malawi also has a way of like learning. It's, it's continuously learning and redesigning its program. It's not rigid. Like other organizations will be saying, okay, here's us because the donor, we agreed with the donor that this is what we're going to do. You have to know that at a point of design, sometimes the problems might appear like this. But at the point of implementation, you see that the program or the issue is different. Some donors will not allow you to make changes because they will tell you, oh, this is what you told us and this is how you're going to address it. And for fear of losing your money, people do and hate things just to make sure that the donor is happy. Tempamala is different. For us, we're always constantly informing our donor to say, "Okay, at the beginning of the uh, the journey here, this is what we say." But when we started working on the ground, we kind of learned more, but we also encountered these issues that we, we we did not we were not there. So we would like to be more responsive and reorganise ourselves. And because of uh, a lot of our funding is unrestricted, that adds the spice to everything, because we are able to. Uh, adjust and also be more responsive as the way we want to because we don't have anyone who is saying you can't do that. Because sometimes you can be thinking this is the food security issue here uh, in, this, in this community. You discover that's not the issue really. It's something else. So you really need to be responsive. I'm just trying to uh, give you a, a situation where we are we are very different. We are very responsive. But also our... Our approach is um, saturation. We don't want to do bushfire kind of development where you're just sprinkling development. A small project here, you go into another district, a small project, another district, a small project, and then you go and uh, feature yourself to say, we are countrywide, we're doing countrywide programs and they are doing, you know, numbers are here. We talk about numbers are good, but poverty, doesn't really only work well with numbers. Yes, numbers are good, but poverty needs qualitative, qualitative attention as well. You really need to, even if you're addressing one person, one get food, you have to go deeper and wider on their case, other than just be bogged down by the numbers. So, as such, we have uh, used the saturation methodology where we are saying, as a district, we work in a district. For the longest period of time but also to make sure that we are also waking, uh you know uh saturating uh, the surrounding to make sure that we're not just sprinkling our um, our responses wow well, i th- think it's been wonderful to learn
0: of a nonprofit whose mission is so intentional um is so well well planned it's it's flexible too and just to think of the ways that you've merged the different themes that we've talked about already and to see how Yamba is addressing all of that. Uh, One thing that you've hinted on throughout our conversation is partnership. And so we wanted to get a sense from you of what that partnership looks like. Um, So I'm assuming you have to partner with the government on some of the, the programs and projects that Yamba works on how is the government's engagement on these programs? How do you you think that the government, one, is involved in um, that gender equality goal? Do you think that they are supportive of it? And it's a two-part question. And second part of the question is, do you see need or is is there currently engagement from um, other African countries, perhaps neighboring countries like Mozambique, in driving these missions and implementation of projects towards making them more qualitative, as you mentioned, and towards making them more effective?
2: Okay, so yes, like for us partnerships or partnership building or networking or collaboration is one of the key strategies in our uh, mission, in our strategy. Um, And as you rightly put it, government is our key partner. We are actually complementing government's efforts in all things that we are doing. Early childhood development, there's a framework that government has that we feed onto. So whatever we do, whatever we design, we make sure that government is highly involved. Yeah, for instance, I've talked about the integrated you know, early childhood development curriculum that we developed. Before we could do anything, we had to go and have conversations with government. And luckily, because they had already done a study uh, on indigenous knowledge and uh, early childhood development with UNICEF, they gave us a report to say, oh, this is exciting. You know, It's very nice that you guys are taking action to do the actual programming. For us, we ended up at research. But no organization has really taken this initiative further. So we are very excited, we would like to work with you. And we did collaborate with them. They were highly involved. They kind of provided platform, but they also provided you know, the leadership, but also the skills and knowledge on how to go about it to make sure that uh, we are ha- we're in the right direction. We also worked with the academia. We worked with the University of Malawi, which is uh, responsible, the department that's responsible for early childhood development. which. At that point, we were also collaborating highly with the uh, government, the Ministry of Gender and Minister of Child Welfare and Child Welfare Department. So, um, apart from our government uh, and, but, but okay, let me also emphasize that when we talk about collaboration with government, working with government, it's not just at policy level. We also collaborate with them at community level. Government has structures going down to the community. There are extension workers that are right in the communities. There are central, you know, uh, local government structures like area development committees that have been instituted to make sure that uh, development is very well coordinated at community level. All those structures, we have very, very highly, in fact, we make them a priority. For us, what we have done when we go into the community, we don't create our own structures we make sure that we work with the existing structures, structures that have been instituted by government. So yes, government is our key partner. Secondly, we also collaborate with our other like-minded uh, organizations. As I mentioned, our programming has three components, child well-being, uh, business development and entrepreneurship, and then financial literacy. We also make sure that organizations that are doing programming around the three issues, we collaborate with them yeah so uh, we collaborate with those organizations for knowledge purposes but also just for uh, fundraising purposes we're also making sure that we're also enhancing you know access for the communities to have access to other services that as Mbamala we may not necessarily be providing, but those organizations are bringing those you know um, uh, those opportunities closer to them in terms of like, the neighboring or or other other countries that we would like to work with. We have talked about it. Our strategic discussions have included possibilities of like working outside Malawi. Yeah. But as I said, remember what I said about working in a very specific uh, context. First of all, to learn and understand what we are doing, to model something. We've been working on modeling something. And at this point, I can gladly say we have a model. So now it's now for time for us, we have been having these conversations. where next? Where would we want to go? Do we want to go outside Malawi? And if yes, where exactly? So those conversations are still like happening at uh, different levels. Once we refine and come up with a the position, then we can go to neighboring you know, countries like Mozambique, you know, um, Zambia, but even other countries that really are looking forward to adopting or replicating our child-focused COVID graduation program. I uh, would be more than happy to sort of go into those uh, those countries. But key, very key to that is the issue of resources. Once we have resources, mobilize enough resources to go and um, um to work in those um uh, countries, then it will be important for us to really go there and work with the, uh, with them, uh, with the, with you know with different countries. I also must um, raise a raise a point here where people have said, "Oh, how how cost effective is your model? Yeah, how 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 affordable? How maybe let, allow me to use this cheap? How cheap is it to, to your your model is to sort of uh, replicate it?" It's good that people want to do the cost benefit analysis on these matters. But on the other side, let's call a spade a spade. Poverty, especially deep rooted poverty, will not just require a brush to gloss over it. It will require more systematic, but also uh, in depth approaches like issues you know approaches strategies that will help to sort of heal this cancerous wound so if donors other players they go we go we sit on the table with them and they talk about oh uh is how 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 many how many people can we you know reach out to this it's good as i said it's good uh quantitative aspect of our program is good but the most important aspect also uh, we should also not forget the qualitative aspect, because that's very, very important. For for somebody to come out of a poverty trap, to really come out of that hole, like poverty hole, and really come out to become, it's not a teaspoonful treatment. No, it's not some syrup that somebody can just swallow and say, oh, today, good morning, today my poverty is gone because you have to deal with it from different dimensions and different cases have different needs. Even in the same community, you find that different households have different needs. So there's no way you can just use one size fits all and then hope that uh, everybody else will just be like a gospel gospel approach where you go and just preach and everybody's saying amen and they wake up and they say, oh, now we are we see the light, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. You really have to be very intentional. You also need to make sure that whatever you're doing, you are also mindful of quality of the work that you're doing. It's not just about the numbers, but how well are you dealing with this poverty? How well are you bringing these children uh, to change their stories forever. I mean, like for the longest period of time. Otherwise, if you just do half measures, half baked, you're actually doing something that is more dangerous because you're just educating. Half educated people are sometimes dangerous. You really have. You need to, to 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 do a good job on them. I'm just giving an example. So, yes, we would like to go elsewhere. We would like to be everywhere. We would like to have every child. In Africa and all develop, developing countries, to 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 graduate them from poverty. So, but we have to say here in black and white that it's it's a resources in the first place for them to get in that dungeon. They were denied. They were they were they didn't have access to resources. So you cannot put up a blind eye to the same resources that can bring them back from the from the home.
1: Fantastic, fantastic! Thank you so much, Jethro. I think, I think sometimes uh, the philanthropic space is glossed over with these ideas of, you know, hey, it's easy; just have to do X, Y, and Z. But you've outlined such an intentional approach. One, both thinking about, hey, you know, <laughs> people are people are poverty, Extreme poverty exists because there aren't resources, right? Um, and and just starting to kind of you know tiptoe around that fact is is unhelpful. Um and even more so when you when you do have those resources, being very intentional about deploying them um in particular ways like like Yamba Malawi does is is, is the key. And we're excited to see the ways you expand going forward. Um I guess our final question we tend to ask all our guests is um, you know, looking forward with, with your organization, you've already started to speak to some degree of the future. Um, What are you most optimistic about? What excites you the most about Yamba Malawi and and the future of the communities you work with in Malawi? And then what are you most, the the flip side to the question, what are you most pessimistic about? What concerns you the most? What is there to be fearful of?
2: (sighs) What excites me about the work that we do as Yamba Malawi is that we have seen the evidence. The work that we are doing is very transformative, I must say. We've seen how the incomes have kind of trebled. We've seen how, you know, um, a number of children who have been enrolled in schools have actually increased, doubled. We've seen how meals, children taking meals like before, they would only take one meal and sometimes not even any meal at all in a day. But we've seen how that are, the numbers have also trebled of children who are taking three meals not only meals, but nutritious meals, yeah? So the evidence is there. We don't need to go further. So for me, that excites me. Every single day, it keeps me purpose to understand that somewhere, somehow, we are changing, you know, these children's stories. But we are also very inclusive. Very, very inclusive. Yamba Malawi is very inclusive. I would give you an example. When when we talk about inclusivity, sometimes people put it in policies and their, you know, documents just to, to show the world that, um, you know, we're being intentional here, we're, we're doing something. But I'll give you a case where we have a five-year-old Lucia, uh, some little girl who is in our program. Both her parents uh, have uh, challenges with uh, speech and um, hearing, yeah? They don't talk, they, 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 don't, they don't, you know, hear. Uh, normally, you know, when organizations go into that community, even other activities, people would not include them because they are just in their heads. They're thinking, we can't do programming with these people. How are we going to communicate with them? How are they going to learn how to do, you know, some business and, and stuff and all the things that we do that I've talked about? We said, no, Lucia, her vulnerability, is a, she's, the fact that she she's growing up in a household where there are special needs, The parents are of special needs, that in in, in, in itself, is a double, maybe even a treble, you know, disab- in, 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 in vulnerability. So we need to pay extra attention, even more. She needs even more, uh, you know, programming support. So we said we are going to recruit this, uh, um, you know, uh, the family, the household. We had to find a way of uh, being creative with how do we deal with this situation. Of course, there are ministries in Malawi who are dealing with such kind of conditions, people with special needs. We started having conversations with them. But most importantly, at community level, we also said, what has been their lives like? How have they survived this this far? Who is working with them? And how are they surviving? Are they, the support system, we said, okay, let's include the support system in our programming. The brother to the, to the man who has been very instrumental in his life, we included them in the program so that they should be uh, the ones like who are like, in terms of training, knowledge and stuff, knowledge transfer will be done through him. So right now I'd be happy to share with you that they have a garden, we promote backyard gardens. They have garden, they're doing, you know, water and sanitation, you know, they've built toilets, they've built this. It's so wonderful, you know, which normally people would be looking at them like, no, it's not happening with But they were excluded throughout their lives. Nobody really paid attention to them. So we are very, very intentional when it comes to inclusiveness, we included them. I'm excited also because now people have come to appreciate and understand our model. At the beginning, it was very hard. First of all, poverty graduation in Malawi is a new concept. And uh, to make it even more different, ours is a child focused poverty graduation model. So, explaining it and to enable people to understand what we're trying to achieve, uh, at the beginning, it was like, uh, what are you talking about? What are you trying to achieve? You know, people like to listen to the straightforward kind of approaches where we're like, okay, this, okay, that. But now because we have been continuously trying to sensitize people, we are happy. We are happy that the, the government itself, actually, they, they use us as a, as a point of reference uh, to say, okay, you know poverty graduation, uh, child that poverty graduation is being implemented by Yamba Malawi. So we get people who visit us to learn more about Uh, You know, poverty child-centered poverty graduation, but also the fact that we have received a lot of media attention—not a lot, but reasonably enough. We are we are on TV, we are on radios, we are—you know—we have that coverage in terms of uh, um, local, not international, like the way we're doing now. Uh, So, but uh, at least we are beginning to get that attention. So, the fact that now people are beginning to understand the concept of our programming, that in itself is a plus. And the fact that we are seeing the evidence, how children are changing their stories like Lucia have shared with you, how their lives are changing, that in itself is what we have been excited about. The challenges that you've talked about, of course, there are emerging issues like uh, COVID-19. We don't know what next. We hope not, but we cannot be sitting there and thinking and saying that there will be nothing, Uh, there there may be something. And secondly, as I said, people always talk about, we want something that is cheaper to to, to support. Yes, it will be cheaper, but it it will just provide palliative care. Care that is just soothing, but not curing. So that's a challenge. When you sit on the tables, As I said, when you talk about these issues, uh, people want to demonstrate, especially the donors want to demonstrate value for their money, value in quotes for their money, uh, whereas they can show the hectare of uh, maize fields uh, and groundnut production. Poverty, you really need resources. As I said, I already explained that concept. So that's the flip side to really get uh, partners who are committed to work with you uh, and understand you and give you room uh, for your um, learning and your implementation and the re- redesigning and co-creation is uh, not is not common normally donors will come to you with already their own objectives but they will just look for where is your objective connecting with theirs so we are glad, we are happy and glad that Uh, We continue to find and connect with donors that are uh, giving us the space to either co-create or giving us the room to do it ourselves, but not prescribe uh, the way we need to do uh, whatever business we do. So that's, that's what I would say is the flip side, but also climate change. I must not forget climate change. Climate change has been uh, you know, changing a lot of dynamics in the work that we do. I told you we work with farmers, some of the households are farming households because Malawi is highly agribased, the economy is based. So um, they are mostly involved in agricultural activities. So if it doesn't rain nicely, it means they are affected highly. Uh, and you talked about women issues. If we have issues, drought issues or other climate change oriented uh, you know, disasters, the women are more affected. If there's famine, if there's hunger, the women are the ones who are supposed to, they are forced to walk long distances to go and search for food. Sometimes they go absent for days. They're just going to look for food. And uh, most of the times they are vulnerable to gender-based violence because where the food is, the people usually will be men who are holding, uh, uh, you know, access to that that food, and usually they will ask for sexual favors, um, for such kind of, um, um, you know, in, in exchange. Because the women may not necessarily even have the money to go and buy; they will just be ready to exchange their bodies for for, for food. And even where the forests are being depleted, like because you know, when there's no rain, there's no. The climatic conditions change. Such resources as forests also disappear, but also have, are affected. So they go further and further away from, from the people. The women will also walk long distances. And we've seen reports in Malawi where women are also sexually abused because they want to access firewood, go and cook for their children and their families. So it's a whole lot of things that really uh, we, we, we look at to say, how it's impacting our program. And again, uh, yeah, just generally, but resources would be something that would, that keeps us awake at night. How do we make sure that we're not just addressing Mary's problem or Johnny's problem, but we are also including Tiffany and Mazangati uh, or whoever is out there as a child who needs this kind of support.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Gertrude. I think you've both managed to, 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 to share with us the details of, of the amazing work Yama Malawi is doing, but also to inspire us around what needs to be done and how we need to approach thinking about supporting organizations like yours. And that being said, our final question for you today is: you know, how can how can our listeners support Yama Malawi? How can we get involved in and in continue to, to help you push forward the, 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 the mission? Um, of your organization, um, do you mind sharing that with, with us and our listeners very quickly?
2: Um, first of all, get involved in Nyamba Malawi's work. You, they need to understand our mission. That's the first thing. Sometimes we make people make a mistake of saying we need it, we need the dollar. Yes, we do need the dollar, but understand our mission first so that you're part of the mission and then you will understand how that mission needs resources. And then when they give us the dollar, they will know where that dollar is going and it's putting up a smile on somebody else's face and it's changing the story of somebody else uh, somewhere. So for us, be with us, Uh, distance, I know distance, uh, we are kilometers away from each other, but trust me, the world is shrunk by kindness. The world is shrunk by goodness. It just shrinks the space to zero, like practically zero when the acts of kindness take place. When you reach out to help, even if you don't know the person, but you just connect with them, somehow, somewhere kindness just connects people in a more beautiful way than even a Zoom meeting can connect people. More beautiful, because at the end of the day, it's not just like connecting because you know you, you, you know there's ghetto at the end of the day but you have changed the community of that person because you have helped them to change their story. And generations to come are going to be impacted by the kind of goodness or kindness that you have demonstrated. So, yes, people should really help us. Uh, Check us on our website. Yamba Malawi has a website. There are more details there. Our contacts are there. Everything is there. But you can also reach out on the phone numbers that are listed there Uh, There's an email that you can also reach us uh, on to make sure that we are connected. As I said, start by understanding, but connecting with our mission, Fall in love with our mission, and then the rest is going to come easier. Thank you for that, Getrid. It's been so lovely talking to you.
0: And thank you for taking us through the journey of, you know, why Yamba Malawi started and the journey of how you got involved and how it's actually impacting the community on a household level up until national level. We really appreciate your time. Thank you, Potev Africa Listeners, for listening and we hope that you can get involved by first understanding the mission and understanding where your involvement and support would go. It will really truly go a long way towards making us more connected and of course again leading with kindness. Thank you again.
1: Their Thank website you. address is yambamalawi.org. That's yambamalaw org. Please support there.
2: Yes. Look forward to talking to you next time. Bye.